0: Ready. Good. Welcome to another episode of In Your Business. I'm your host, Sasha Syhead, uh, uh, and I have a guest co-host today, Alex Lister, a.k.a. Listy, And uh, our featured guest today is Christian Saab. And uh, Christian owns a staffing business, yep. but he's got lots of experience along the way. So he's going to tell us about his journey and some challenges and some advice and just about himself. So Christian, please, the floor is yours. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to be where you're at today.
1: Sure. No, thanks for... For having me and uh, um, my career went from engineer to owner of a car wash to now owner of a staffing company so zero consistency but the long version of the story it all makes sense okay so are you from
0: Windsor originally
1: no I'm not from uh, Mississauga initially okay what brought you to Windsor there and it was uh, getting a job at Chrysler after I graduated as an engineer from Ryerson so I uh, Funny enough, I, I moved to Windsor, and the house I moved into, he was living in. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs>
2: and what a place that was! It was, a, it was a frat house. Yeah,
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So he did
0: say it was a frat house. Were yeah. you were you at the university too, studying or?
1: No, well, I was at Ryerson University, and I was part of a part of a frat over there. And then moving here, you know, just literally the day after my last exam. Um, moved over here and I'm like well what better place to move into than, you know, go to the frat that's here. Yeah, right? okay. It's cuz they have like what, yeah. what is it 150 something locations or something like that. Exactly. So Exactly.
2: You're never more than like 50 miles away from a free hotel or Yeah. You know, like crash on. It's the same it's the same frat. fraternity. It's a different it's the same chapter. Fraternity. It was yeah. Sa- yeah,
1: exactly, a different cool. chapter, so it's it was always encouraged to, you know, go to the other chapters and all that. And it was always known that our, do- our doors are always open for yeah. anyone anyone new, so you know, that's where I'm like, I don't know Windsor, don't know anybody, never been there. So I looked up. I'm like, yep, there's a there's a Sigma Chi fraternity over there. I'll just go bunk with those guys for a little bit until I uh, get the ball rolling, nice, at least in Windsor. So
0: how was that? Did you have a hard time like going
1: to work and stuff, living with a bunch of <laughs> crazy students? No, fortunately, I had my own little apartment tied to the back of their house, so it was a little private. But it was uh, no, it was a good time, man. It was it was the beginning days of Moon. every time I drive by the place, I always like smile. I'm like, man, that's where it was. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, uh, no, yeah, I started my career as an engineer at Chrysler between 2014 and 2017. Um, it was a great time, great experience, learned a lot, but the, the culture pushed me away. Okay. How so? Um, it was just, you know what, It, it was a job where you stay within your limits, you, you can't fly like a bird and be yourself. Yep. Do your job. Get out. If you're an overachiever, people hate you. If really? Eh? Overachiever. You, people, yeah, because I it's that, expected of them to overachieve yeah. as well. You know, you're all on the same pay grade. So why is Christian doing all this work? The, and the measurement was, did you show up right on time or were you five minutes late? And are you leaving five minutes earlier or are you leaving on time? That was the measurement of success there. Really, yeah. There were guys I knew that would. There were guys I knew that were in my department that would intentionally not answer their phones during the day, just so they don't have to do any work. I wow. Never, never got in trouble for it. Really. But yeah. but, but, the, but the guy who's working his ass off and you're looking at him, me, when I walk in, maybe five minutes early or five minutes late or leave five minutes early, say, where are you going? Whereas, what about the guy that's been hiding all day long, not yeah. not pick, not doing any work? I, I do the amount of work of four guys, and you're worried about the time I, I come and the time I leave and and what I sign up for mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And it was like, you know what? It's not my place, man. I hear you, I'm, man. I'm good. I'm like, no thanks. So, so um, great learning experience. It's unfortunate because I, I loved the job that I did. Yeah, I really did. I was so I was in charge of um we. The quality department and at the Windsor Assembly Plant, we make sure that cars come out with the way they're supposed to be built, without defects. Okay. And when a defect happens, we're supposed to diagnose it and root cause, do root cause analysis and figure out where this defect came from. And then you're doing it like right there in the action. Like, you know, wow. if, if if a defect is missed, that's someone's car that they're gonna buy that that they're not gonna be happy with or it may be a defect that's uh, a safety defect and could cause a recall mm-hmm. yeah so we're like that last line of defense to make sure that the car comes out safe
2: yeah you also um, want to catch things like if it's a systemic problem in the assembly line yes then, you know you catch it,
1: one car and it doesn't become a hundred cars
2: because yeah they're exactly. just it comes a hundred cars then. very <laughs> yeah. quick
1: because every 42 seconds your car is being made so if that defect is it's not just and they never are just a one-off it's always like someone did it <laughs> there was a defect <laughs> that it's now being produced and you have to go find the cars that, that had those defects. But anyways, I, I enjoyed that role. I loved it. And I don't think I would have ever left if it wasn't for, for the culture. So do you think the
0: culture is the same around other companies in that same like engineering position? Or like, did you have interest in looking into another it, company? You know maybe? what?
1: It's, it's the big corporation. Like this was, this was Fiat Chrysler Automotives at the time, which is now Stellantis. Yeah. It's, you know, I think corporations are a different style of work than it is where you're working with a entrepreneur, a lot of politics right. and shit, eh? Right? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, and
2: you know, a lack of equity stakes uh, for all yep. the parties involved, right? Like yep. you're an entrepreneur yourself, <laughs> you know, everything you do is about growing your own business, and when you're working with these other small time or small business entrepreneurs, it's yep. very
1: important for them that and they uh, get that growth. They don't, they don't reward what someone puts into it. So, yep. I applied for a position so they have these rankings it goes like 91 to like 95 at chrysler and those are all different pay grades now you always get a five percent raise year over year um not anymore chrysler, but
0: <laughs> they just made some huge changes they make changes
1: I, at the time i was there it was every year you get a five percent raise and but if you were to get a job so i i applied i was when you first started your lowest rank is 91 and you're supposed to be in that position for five years until you become, become a 92. Wow. But I applied for a 92 position two years in, and I got it. Oh wow! Okay. Simply because mm-hmm. I outqualified everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? They're like, well, you could have the position, but you can't get the 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 wage. What? And I was like, oh, yeah. oh, okay. So I'm like the guy who underqualified me. If he had gotten the job, because if I hadn't applied, he would have gotten, mm-hmm. you know, that extra that 20 grand or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah, but, but we'll uh, let you do all the extra but, work. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> make, make all have work. all the other responsibilities. So, so that's where it was like, I'm like, seriously? Like, you know, you're not, you're not actually compensating and rewarding for someone's success. And then I actually kicked off a project that saved them $25 million per facility a year. I kicked it mm-hmm. off all my own. Yeah. And when I said, Hey, you know, like, is there like a, a an envelope or something I should be getting, yeah. you know, with anything, $25 million yeah. per facility per year. They have several facilities they're still using to today. T- 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 my powerpoint that i made to implement that project across facilities wow this was six years ago was when this started and no bonus no envelope (laughs) nothing just a good job christian (laughs) so then i'm like i'm like why am i doing this for another business why am i making everyone else rich right yep so so i'm like so then that's where i was like you know what if i'm gonna take a swing at things i know i i learned very quickly in my first three years of my career working there that i'm capable of something in in the work environment because that was really my first time in a full time, like you know that's coming out of school right Yep. I had part-time jobs and all that but as a full-time like working man like that was my first three-year run and I, I discovered new things about myself and my work ethic and I said you know what let's start a business and that first business was a mobile detailing company
0: yeah so nice. Yeah. So you got like, uh, you know, you learned a lot about yourself. So never, I'd say, you know, the experience is never lost. And it looks like never. it turned into something something good. So this was in Windsor. You started a mobile uh, detailing business. Yeah. So how like what was the idea that you got for that? What was the action plan you took to start it? What were some challenges maybe that you faced
1: in the beginning? Well, I was at the at the time I'm working at Chrysler and, and I'm like, I want to have my own business, but it's got to be on the side because, you know, I have a home. I got bills to pay. I don't yep. want to just quit my job. So I'm like I got to have a business that is appointment based, something I could do after hours and just build it up from there. And it was March of 2016. 20 2016. Yeah, March of 2016. I uh, I'm sitting at home and there's two cars in the driveway and, and a little boat and I'm like, "Man, I got to get those things cleaned. It's that first warm day of the <laughs> of of the of the spring, right?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Man, Mom, I don't want to spend all day cleaning them. Like, there's got to be someone that can come to my house and do it, because it, it exists. Mobile mm-hmm. detailing exists in, in lots of cities. So, looking it up, can't find anybody. Yeah. And I was like, bingo. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because I grew up in a, in a shop with my dad. And I knew how to do this stuff. Like, my dad was a mechanic by trade. I polished cars, waxed them, washed them, did everything my whole life. So I'm like, you know what? I'm like. That's perfect I'll get a van I'll put water in it and electricity and I'll go to people's homes and and it'll be perfect I could do it while you know when if in the summertime the sun sets at 9:30 so I could finish work at five come home have a bite to eat my first appointment will be for six o'clock and I could punch in two cars that night or, or a boat or whatever it is yep right and that's how the business started and, and that first summer I made like 20 grand just off of a lawn sign in front of my house Wow
0: man yeah how
1: did you uh, set
0: the pricing?
1: Oh, that was like a whole learning curve. It was just a matter of just asking around and timing. I always timed myself, like how long would something work, like do. And I always, it needed to be a hundred dollars an hour Yeah. or else it wasn't worth it. I didn't want to sign up for a $15 an hour job. So I'm like, it had to be a hundred bucks an hour because I had to, I I was always thinking long term. If I had staff, if I had like more overhead, it has to be a price that accommodates to that. Right. Mm Yeah. So, um, everything was geared around my target was any job I did was a hundred bucks an hour or if it was a half hour job then it's $50 so it's still hundred bucks an hour right yeah, yeah. If, if you factor that out. so um, anyways that was my trial run and that was my proof of concept so then I quit Chrysler over the winter um, quit, it was February 10th of 2017 is when I walked out of Chrysler and, and I'm running a mobile detailing company and by April I had two mobile units and four employees Wow. By then. So it really kicked off. I was one of two people that were, was doing this in the city. And for the employees, were like, did you pay them hourly or did you just they give were them full a commission? Time. Yeah. They were just full time. Yeah. Wow. Full time hourly mm-hmm. or salary, whatever it was. You know, full time employees, we were busy. We were smashing boats and cars. And it was, I, I made more money washing people's cars and boats in six months than a full time engineer did at Chrysler. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, and I did it in half the time, and that's where that changed everything for me. I was like, everything <laughs> my Middle Eastern parents taught me growing up as a kid, though, like it was very d- mm-hmm. tunnel vision. It's, yeah. it's you're going go to go become an five, engineer, right? Yeah, go go work, and get a, a job at a big company. Exactly, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> get a job at a big company and 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 you know get a good salary. I was like, whoa, hold on a minute. Like I'm like I spent fifty. Actually, you know, I was fortunate. My parents spent it, but. You know, they spent fifty thousand dollars and four years of my time to get a career where I spent five thousand dollars on a van and I was launched in a week and I was making more money. That's yeah. where, as a twenty, as at the time I'm a twenty four years old, yeah, you know, very young mind still discovering the world. I'm like, whoa, like no one told me this in school. Nope, they don't. <laughs> like, they do, do not tell you. No oh,
2: man.
0: Yeah, right. yeah. All it's, <laughs> a, it's, it's a
1: risk, you know. You could lose it all. It could be a waste of time. And, and I'm like, like, what? What yeah. the heck? I'm like, it was that next two, three years of my life, from 24 to 27 was like the most confusing, most thrilling time of my life, where I had to relearn everything. It was a whole new university program, That's and cool, it was though. the university program of being in business and and learning how people do things for a living and all the different, you know, like it was, I was so like naive and like no clue how. like when you go to a restaurant, I, up until the age of 25 or so, you go to into a restaurant and you think it's just a restaurant. You don't see that there's a human being behind that restaurant yeah mm-hmm. there's an entrepreneur there's someone who's working their ass off for that restaurant yeah hundred percent right? you like know those are uh,
2: before and after closing hours making sure everything's ordered make sure everything's stopped Yeah, you know.
1: yeah and and the people that don't see this stuff they think it's just a thing are those people that leave those stupid one-star reviews on everything yeah it's mm-hmm. like there's a hard-working man or woman behind this business yeah and It's just like there's a large group of people that think businesses just exist and whatever. And I was one of those people until I came into business and I realized I was like, man, there's this whole world of like entrepreneurship and business. And it's like, and it's all worth it. Everything is worth it. It's hard work, but it's worth it. And it's like, it's crazy, man. It was an interesting time in my life. Definitely an interesting time in my life, but it it definitely led to what I'm doing today. Okay.
0: So, what were some challenges that you faced, like getting all this started, h- hiring employees, taking mm. on new responsibilities, and and uh, what are some things that you learned uh, to overcome them or mm. to achieve them? Something that maybe somebody who's listening could get some advice from from that. Well,
1: it was definitely everything connected because when I was an engineer at Chrysler, I learned a lot about processes, how to do a process to make it human proof. Okay. So when we were Washing people's cars. How do you take four people and get them to wash at the same level of quality? Yeah, right so I definitely carried over a bunch of knowledge from the engineering to the detailing Mm -hmm. business to have consistent quality and consistent processes um, For my business that came very easy to me. Okay. Um, What was what was the challenge was Definitely when I got my first few employees firing my first employee, that was a whole story. But uh <laughs> never done anything like that. But it was definitely you know what? My I, I would say the detailing business, I didn't have anything major in it. Okay. Because I, I from day one I wasn't looking at it as Christian as, as Christian the detailer. I was looking at Christian the business owner. So from day one I knew I'm like it has to be something that runs itself. Yeah. From day one, so yeah,
2: that's a good mentality to have because I think a lot of small business owners they focus on something that they're passionate about, that they're good. You know, you get a mechanic who's unreal, knows everything about every car that's ever been there. But then when it's time to take a step back and hire two more, you know, it's hard to replicate that quality and
0: that craftsmanship and that care. Trusting somebody to do the same job you're gonna do.
1: Yes, it would have been very hard if. I didn't have that mindset. If I had the mindset of you have to be just as good as me washing cars or whatever it is, then it would have been a disaster. Yeah. But I knew, I'm like, if I could get every employee to be 80% as good as me, Okay. That's that gave, that kept me sane. And if I focused on processes, procedures, then I could automate the business because the whole plan was going to be, my first book that I ever read was Built to Sell. Okay. Great book. Great book, and the whole concept of the book is an, a business needs to be an asset, and it's not an asset if it depends on the owner. If the owner can, um, if the owner can completely separate from the business, and the business runs itself, then you have a sellable asset. Yep, and uh, and that resonated. That was I was reading that book before I even quit my job at Chrysler, so I knew going into it. It's let's build an asset. So from day one, it was. That was part of the plan, but I th- and I think that is what makes business and entrepreneurship easier is when you have that mindset. But when you take someone who makes cookies all day and wants to open mm-hmm. a bakery, and the mindset is still, well, we got to make cookies. Yeah, it's like no. Now you're a business owner. It's a totally different hat. Yeah. that you have to wear, and it comes mm-hmm. with different strategies and approaches. So, so that one was that that business. I got lucky with having that mindset. And and. Making it it was it was easy and it was always a five year plan. Okay. Um, but I will say that the learning lesson there, transitioning from that career to this one is every it wasn't like it was like a restart. It was there was so much transferable knowledge. Like we all go through life, we're all learning things, and we're all doing stuff and, and it's not like if you're starting a new career then it means you throw away everything that you've learned. Like there's always transferable knowledge from different industries that you could implement into yep. You know into into businesses so that business you know it was fortunately for me so 70% of my customers were white male business owners really eh? yeah <laughs> I tracked everything I tracked so much data data is a big thing that was yeah. that was huge I tracked everything everything I could possibly measure in that business and especially with my cu- customer profile and it was perfect because I was searching for what's gonna be my forever business what's gonna be the one that is gonna be the, the forever Christians gonna mm-hmm. be known for and okay. I had the luxury of seventy percent of my customers being business owners and learning about what they did for a living and how the money traveled in their industry and and how they transacted and what what is it that got them into the business, but more importantly, what was the biggest headache in that business? Okay. And after two years of building relationships and and having these um, conversations, I couldn't stop unhearing like everyone was saying people is my biggest headache no matter what the industry no matter what size the company no matter where they're from you ask them uh, what's what is it about your industry that drives you crazy, and it was like people, people, yeah. people, people, people. Can't find yeah. people, can't keep people, can't trust people. I'll never have people because uh, I I can't trust them, or I have a thousand employees and and they are my biggest headache. Mm-hmm. Like everything in between, right? So yeah. yeah, I was like even the Chrysler's of the world. You yeah, know? they don't <laughs> yeah. have
2: a way to incentivize consistent yeah. people or keeping good people like yourself, how, and then they how leave do you find them, find them and group. how do you keep them? That yeah. was
1: like the biggest question, right? So then. I was like, man, like if I got into the space of people, I'm never gonna run out of work. Like clearly, everybody Mm -hmm. complains about the same thing. If you keep hearing someone complaining about something, eventually you're gonna have to start a business about it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 right. (laughs) It's like, man, all these people. There's a demand there, right? So, so that's where I discovered the staffing world. Okay. And that's how it transitioned. So. In the beginning, I said, you know, from engineer to car wash to staffing, and it was—it sounded all totally different. They all <laughs> yeah. connected. Yeah. They all connected. They all one thing led me to the other, right? So that's cool, though. That's yeah. cool because I was going to ask you, like,
0: how did you go from uh, doing the detailing into staffing? Mm-hmm. So you answered the question already. Just yeah. noticing there's a issue with all the people that you were dealing with already
2: and finding the solution and mm. delivering yeah. it which that is, seems yeah. to be a common thread here finding something that's missing or yep. you know a market's desire and then just coming in and filling hey what do you like for, some of this? for both
1: businesses that was it and that's why i never felt like a risk i never felt like i ever took a risk like everyone says oh my god it's a risk to start business it's like well for me i was like what are you talking about man the demand's right there all you got to do is just put up a sign yeah, yeah <laughs> like yeah. that was it Get like there's no risk. Want. yeah <laughs> right mm-hmm. and then there's transition periods so it wasn't like i quit my job then i started my business No, i started the detailing business while i was doing it built it up a little bit and then transitioned then with the new company with cpg recruitment it was the same thing i had i was running two businesses at the time i had the detailing business while i started this business mm-hmm. and until i was like all right perfect um i've got this one up and going and and then i was able to sell my detailing business and i sold that about six months after i started the recruiting business so there was a transition period it doesn't have to be like on off and that's it right so yep. um but definitely both the businesses started were all geared around a massive problem that i saw that i knew i could fix
2: yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's real pretty quick awesome. um before we dive into some of the staffing um, how did you model the sale of your business? You know, what was the big, um, I don't know, how did you determine your price tag on that? Just for people who are interested um, in acquiring a business or people who are interested in selling their business, how did you like model and plan for that in your five year period? Because I'm sure there was a, you know, an idea that when you were gonna sell it, yeah. there's gonna be a two to three year period where yeah. folks had to show well, you know, you needed to make a business case for this asset that you've built and developed over mm-hmm. time. And because of that, here's the price tag
1: yeah i think at the time it just came down to what was my profit marking it up it was simpler than it was a lot simpler than what people made it out to be it's here's the tangible assets we've got two vans a shop with equipment here's what all the equipment's worth and then it was well here's how much profit this business is making year over year and then with a markup on intrinsic of hey you've got the brand already mm-hmm. you've got the customers already here are the numbers like you're you're not the phone is already ringing yeah it's not like it's yeah. you have to you're buying something from scratch you have to start up yeah so there is that factor in there so that's where I kind of I marked up the the profit by like three I multiplied by three essentially with with the uh, um, with the assets there and it was just that kind of a simple hmm. Okay. I didn't even have like an accountant go through it was because I tracked everything. Yeah, I sat with with um, the the gentleman that was that bought it, and I was like, "Here are the numbers, man." I'm like, "Let's try doing this as quick as possible." <laughs> yeah. right. And and of course, there was a bit of a discount on there because I wanted it off my plate because I was focusing on my next thing. Yeah, but you know the the message is if someone's selling their business, just sometimes make I made it very simple. Look at how much if if someone were to the first question you have to ask yourself as a as the person selling is if a buyer, if someone wanted to start my business, how much money are they going to spend to want to duplicate exactly what I have? Mm-hmm. So that was where mm-hmm. I looked at all my equipment. I'm like if someone wants to have exactly what I have, I looked at all my equipment and I'm like this is how much it's worth. Yeah. Okay? So I'm like someone's going to have to spend this no matter what if yep. they want to have this. So then that's your baseline. Okay. From there comes all right, well let's talk about well now it's an established business not a new business so let's look at like the profit there and uh, um, and the intrinsic value the customer what's what are they making this year right if someone bought it today how much will they profit this year yeah so then you're essentially giving them money if they if they bought into it, it's like here you're gonna make this this year so then you put that in the price tag and you add it on top of what mm-hmm. is actually what let's say you have fifty thousand dollars in in assets then you know the business is a hundred percent gonna profit fifty thousand dollars this current year so you take that you're at a hundred <laughs> right yeah. now right Yep. then from there it's how much you want to market up but at the very least that's your bare minimum number right there yeah okay. right that's a guaranteed bare minimum number because you mm-hmm. if someone was gonna go do it on their own they were gonna spend the 50 then their option was do I pay the extra 50 to take something that's gonna give me the money back and give me literally a one-year return or are they going to go through the grind of actually starting the business themselves? So if, the, if they don't want to go through the grind, then bang, that's your buyer. And that's your lowest, lowest number where you're not underselling the business. Yeah. From there, that's where you look at different industries and mark things up or put a 4X, 5X, if you want it to be a five year return, whatever it is, depending on whatever, but that's the bare minimum. And that's how I would look at it is just asset and profit. Nice. Okay. Right. Sweet. Yeah. And mm-hmm. how did you track all your data? Excel, man. Just Excel. Just Excel, eh? So in my detailing business, it was I tracked every single day who my customer was. I put in, what I put in is, um, I remember this Excel sheet because it was five years of plugging in those numbers (laughs) Every every single day. I'd come home and I would put in the date. I'd put in the customer's name. I'd put in their address. I'd put in a description of the customer. Was it male, female, mom, single mom? Um... Uh, business owner whatever I'd put that that mm-hmm. piece there then I'd put what did what did we do did we do a car boat or RV was it which package did they use was it the basic was it the full detail was it whatever put track that so what they actually purchased the full transaction and then it was um, how much time that job took and how many people had working on it so in one line I could see not just a customer demographic but also like what, what, what did we sell how much time it took me how much money how much we got paid as well the full thing so that one excel sheet was like god for me because that excel sheet gave me what was my average transaction was i hitting the hundred dollars an hour mark was i um what was it that i sold the most in what pattern after three four years using the same excel sheet and i had Mm -hmm. it i had a, a trending chart where it would show me week over week like revenues so I was seeing like was this was the week first week of March did I make the same or more amount of money than last last March or is March compared to August what's the difference Mm -hmm. and I was seeing a pattern in my business so that way I could create predictability in my business Um, I was but really those were the key points it was date who it was where they lived so I knew exactly like the geography, where my customers are, um, what type of person were they? And then it was, what did they buy? Was it a car, boat or a RV? Then it was, how much time did it take to do the job? How much did we charge them? And that was it, it was seven, yeah. seven or
2: eight things. So then over time, you can just filter it based off of that specific customer. Yep. And it's like, oh, every six months, you want that
1: boat detailed. Yep. I'll call uh, you I, up five I months knew, before that period. Yeah. I knew that for March to June, we only market boats. Wow, automatically mm-hmm. because because we had to do the waxing and polishing of boats before they go in the water. Uh, yeah. Once they're in the water, there's no more waxing. There's no more polishing. So mm-hmm. the window was from April, May, and June to by the time everyone put their boat in the water. Then on the boat topic, then it transitioned to when when people's boats are in the water from June to September is the weekly washes. Mm-hmm. Someone wants to show up to their boat on a weekend and it's already clean. Yeah. So then I knew that that was in June. It was the time to shift that. That mindset and then that's where I would advertise a lot more for cars is in the summertime right mm-hmm. um, so and then and then coming closer to the end of the season that's where I'd push gift cards for mm-hmm. holidays Prepare for next for year yeah whatever it is right and um, <clears throat> so by knowing the pattern of your business you know how to market for it you know what to expect there's there's a pattern every business has a pattern yep and by trap you have to find those key measurables that predict your pattern and, and a very simple one is to start off with is literally the number the transactions that you have how much they are and on what day does it happen yeah mm-hmm. look at your transaction that's the very first minimal thing you can do right and then from there is the extras in your business is what else can you measure yeah so Primarily, who are my customers I'm a big thing of who's my customer who's the customer then mm-hmm. that is the easiest customer to sell yeah once you understand that then from there it's it gets easier and easier cool yeah, yeah. So now we're into staffing. Yes.
0: So h- how did you get that started? So you went from uh, washing cars yeah. uh, to auto detailing, sold the business. Did you start the staffing like while you were in transition of the yeah. sale of the yeah. other business? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, so like, what was the, like, how did you get it started?
2: You knew you wanted to do it because you saw the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so is it just like guerrilla marketing
1: to some of these small business owners while you're cleaning their cars even, just like hey what are easier, you even easier even easier man well with this one I wanted to get a little bit of a, of a fast forward push so I did get um, I did get an investor to give me enough money to hire an employee from day one before we had customers and mm-hmm. I wanted to have a recruiter and I wanted to have an office okay from day one so um I didn't want this to be a, let me start it out of my apartment again and this this type of business I knew had to be professional yeah had to be legitimate and we needed to have a storefront for it right so um, I pushed to get that and within a week of moving into the office the company right next door was a landscaping company okay and I just walked in there and I said hey do you need people and they knew me the owner knew me from my detailing Mm he's like don't you have a detailing company I said, I do (laughs) I said I do but I just started this company and um, essentially I gave him an offer he couldn't refuse I said listen you you see me as a detailer you have no idea if I I have what it takes to recruit I said if I'm not gonna charge you anything but if I find you the person that you need would you pay me he's like absolutely so okay perfect so I said I said I'll I'll charge you four thousand dollars a person Um, and he's like I'm like how many people do you need he's like I need ten people Wow okay I said, you don't want me nothing. Let me go do my thing. If if I if I do a good job and these people start with you, and I'll let them work with you for 30 days to make sure that they're actually good employees. And on the 30th day, if I call you saying, are they good? You write me, you'll write you write me a check? He's like, yep. So already I had my recruiter sitting there waiting. I said, all right, we got our first customer. And our customer, great company, Creative Homescapes. Yeah. Uh, right on, wow. uh, right on uh, 42 there. So I'm like, we need these ten people: concrete finishers, carpenters, whatever you name it. By the way, this is this is uh, um, May of 2020. Oh shit! So ready, COVID. Months, two yeah. months after this whole COVID thing. Wow. That was the igniter, by the way. COVID ignited this business. I said, now's the time. Yeah. When yeah. COVID happened and the whole employment thing got all weird for a bit. I'm like, I'm starting this company. This is, mm-hmm. um, let's yeah, go. Yeah, fill a niche when people are having a tough time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, So wow. like, let's go. COVID was the one that said, done. Now, there's, it's now or never. So, um, start. So started the company, get creative homescapes, and we start working on it. it. Takes us about a month to about two weeks actually to find the people. They all started, and I waited my 30 days, and I was shitting myself as I was writing an invoice. Cause I called him, I said everything's all good. He's like all good. Send me an invoice. And I wrote Ten an invoice. people. It was yeah. it was a couple was, extra zeros it was on an that invoice yeah. for it was a was short one, so nine, nine people. I wrote it for thirty six thousand dollars. Wow, man. And I was shaking because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm like I'm like usually the invoices I write are one hundred and fifty bucks. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I need a gold thought, stamp on this thing expensive. or something. I <laughs> that was expensive. It wasn't a twenty dollars car wash. It was a hundred and fifty dollars car wash. So, so you man. made
0: thirty six grand in your first thirty days.
1: Thirty six grand. Thirty six grand. Yep. Yeah. I went in there and I'm like, my shaking. Here's the invoice, <laughs> and he's like, "Come get your check, man." I'm like, yeah. "I'm the happiest guy." Wow, man. And it was. That's where I realized. I'm like, I'm like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Big moment. Yeah. Like, this is that was a new yeah. level that I broke into of. of transactions and all that stuff and that's where I realized it's not a matter of what you're selling because I was trying to sell stuff and give stuff away for free in the detailing business and I couldn't give it away mm-hmm. but here is a $36,000 invoice that is happily being paid for and yeah. it was all that's where I learned the lesson of value value and like relativity type things so you know, for, for that invoice for me, I'm like, holy smokes, 36 grand. That's, that's a big, big check from customer number one. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how could someone pay that? And I had a friend of mine, I, was, I asked him because I, I had to ask some people. I'm like, I'm about to, <laughs> I had to call yeah. a couple close friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Is this going to gonna bounce? <laughs> like, <Is> this a <laughs> prank? Am I well, I'm like, bump- um, if I send this invoice to my customer, am I going to look like an idiot? And he's like, absolutely not. buddy of mine, great guy. He's like, he's like those 10 people that you found for him, He's like, what are they going to do for in them in the course of the summer? Mm-hmm. I'm like, he's like, what are they, What do these guys do for them? Like, I'm like, they do $250,000, 300000 backyard renovations. He's like, he's like, you don't think those 10 people are going to make them $2 million this year? Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. He's like... I never thought of that. He's like, it's he's also like,
2: a lot of, you know, you're eliminating yeah. the headaches because finding good
1: contractors, finding Getting good jobs. people. Yeah, 10 it's people, tough. that's a whole... That's two crews. Mm-hmm. That's two... That's a big crew, right? Yep. 10 people could... Could do a lot of backyards in a day. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. How many? You know, you put four four people to a pool. You do two, four guys to a co- concrete job, or you got your carpenters, whatever. Your crews are a crews of four, right? So there's at least two crews right there. And those crews, how much are they worth? And can he make his thirty-six thousand dollars back? And it was like, fuck! I think the guy made it back within the first month of them there. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. that's where I realized I'm like, it's not a matter of what the transaction is. It's a matter of are you giving them the right person that it's so justifiable that the value you're giving them value. And that's where I learned that lesson of it doesn't matter. You could be buying something for a million dollars. Someone will look at it and say, that's a steal of a deal. And someone, you could be giving someone a $20 item and they say, that's too expensive. Yeah, it's, yeah, absolutely. And that it could be that same person. I've had yeah. billionaires as customers trying to sell them a $20 item and they're like, no no, yeah, no, no value. value i don't but, want that bonus detailing but, but, package but i'll take a 50,000 dollar check for some guys exactly, yeah. it was it was exactly that the guys that said no to me for something for 20 bucks are paying me tens of thousands of dollars now wow and that's where i realized i'm like it's not about it's not about the price it's about what is it that they need what is the pain that they have that they need it resolved and yeah. people will pay for that pain to be resolved. Absolutely. Period. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what's been spearheading this business and that's my whole mindset as a salesperson. Cause again, as a business owner at this point now, I'm a salesperson, right? Yep. As a salesperson, I, I shifted that mindset completely to listening, listening to everyone around me and listening for a problem. And of course it's in staffing in, in my field, and it's all I'm doing is offering a solution because I know you're going to pay the bill. I already know what my demographic is. If I'm in front of you and you're expressing the problem, I don't got to sell you, man. I just, all I got to do is tell you I could fix it. Yep. If I fix it, would you pay me? Yeah. Okay. Let me do, let me do what I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, man. And that's it. And it changes the game completely. Oh yeah. That's pretty awesome.
0: So I do have a couple of questions about that. Yeah. So first, first off, uh, you know, it sounds pretty to make 36 grand in 30 mm-hmm. days, but how much time, effort, like how difficult was it going through all those people, interviewing the people, you know, using your judgment to see if these people are gonna be a right fit? Like, what was the actual work you put into it? Um again,
1: I hired someone. <laughs> I hired someone. This yeah. was this was a business. If it would have been it would have been a lot of work. My recruiters do a lot. Like right now, my, my team, I've got two assistants to one recruiter. They go through a thousand resumes a week. Wow. So a thousand a week
0: bring me through like the day right. of a recruiter what like in yeah. one day i'm punching in at 9 a.m or 8:45, yep. i guess but what's the day of a recruiter what are they doing
1: day of a recruiter is um so there's there's two types of recruiting but i'll go i'll go through the phases so phase one is the advertising for an opportunity that could be a posting on indeed that could be something on social media that could be us reaching out To someone who's working saying we have an opportunity we've got a bunch of tools that get us out there to really share an opportunity that exists to get applicants okay so when the applicants come that's round one of pre-screening okay so pre-screening is going through resumes and applications and calling every single applicant unless a resume is so obvious that they shouldn't have even applied Mm -hmm. we're calling every single person with we have pre-screening questions done, like something, what could I ask someone in three minutes to know that I should advance you to an interview? So we come up with those questions for a specific position. Okay. Um, so my pre-screeners are calling everyone all day long. They're doing hundreds of, literally they're going through thousands of people a week of um, my pre-screeners feed the recruiters. So they'll call Hey, are you available right now? Why do you wanna quit your job? And do you have experience in this and this and this? Yes, 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 okay, perfect. I'm gonna schedule you for an interview with our head recruiter. My recruiter is sitting there with their calendar being full of interviews. And it's all video call interviews where my recruiter has met with the customer and knows exactly what they're looking for in a human being. So they are literally just talking and filtering and deciding, is this person worth my customer meeting? So they they are, those two filters right there do enough to at least put someone in front of our customer. They're like, that person was definitely worth sitting with and and we're going to decide on them, Mm -hmm. right? So that's a
2: big part of the value prop too, like not wasting your customer and the business owner's time, you know, giving them shit interviews.
1: My my recruiters deal with the no-shows. So three out of 10 people show up to the interview. Wow, eh? Yeah. so Three out of 10. Three out of 10. So, so... My, my customers, every time I get a customer, they're like, I'm tired dealing with people that don't show up to an interview. I say, you'll never have to deal with a no show ever again, because I put my candidates to work that when I'm sending them to you, I know for a fact they're going to show up. They would have to die on the way yeah. for them not to show up. Right? <laughs> yeah, Something catastrophic has to happen, yeah. right? Because we've made them work enough and we've asked them so many questions enough to know that they are serious about this opportunity. Um, so when... they they know the next step is to meet the owner they are going to be there Um, so we definitely at least from the basics of our business we at least help with that as far as the owner not wasting their time and they know when they have an appointment with with christian's team is going to be sending them somebody um, they're going to have an appointment worthwhile right so then from there from there comes the recruiters are my assistants are always doing what they're doing Um, it's okay my recruiters are always doing what they're doing but then my recruiter is now finding other aspects of recruiting it's not just indeed it's not just LinkedIn what else can we do what other partnerships can we do in the city to always have candidates coming our way so I I push my recruiters to find those new innovative ways that that way we're not so one-dimensional and doing what everybody else is doing right look for new tools go to conferences put putting ourselves out there right so that's the day in the life of a recruiter. Um, I've, I've I've probably read like three resumes in my whole career in this business. So. <laughs> really? Eh? Yeah. So you're just like really the know. puppeteer, just making
0: everybody do um, the work and I, just kind of or running. Managing how I designed my business,
1: I separated sales from recruiting. Okay. So I have my sales team. Um, they are the ones going out there and their objective is to get someone to say, I need help finding staff, help me. Ah, okay. And then we pass it off to the recruiters. So okay. They're two totally different roles. So, so yeah. sales goes after the businesses yes. needing the employees, recruiters and we'll pre-screeners are employees. dealing with the people. Yes. That's wild, yes. man. Yes. And
0: did you start all this by yourself or cause you, yep. you said you had an investor, but did you have anybody that helped you do planning or organizing well, or anything?
1: Of course with the relationships again, remember 70% of my customers in the detailing business were, Mm-hmm. Were business owners. A good portion of them became very close friends of mine. Okay. So I had a lot of mentorship, and I, I still have lots of mentorship around me of of successful uh, business people that I aspire to be one day. They're th- every time I have I'm having an issue, I make a phone call, say I'm struggling with this. What What do you do? And they give <sighs> me awesome. that knowledge, right? I'm I'm a big, I, I struggle reading, uh, and learning from reading, but I have I have it easy if, as far as just if i know someone's doing something well i'm calling them yeah hey can you can you give me some advice cuz i know people are calling me for advice or something and it's like yeah. i know people you know we're it's all it's a it's a relationship thing right so um but again everything became so i have a funny story that will actually tie all this together so um i again i'm a big process guy so i was in the beginning days was of course trying to figure out how do we charge What's the process? How do we really make sure that we find the right person? How do we do things differently that's untraditional? Mm-hmm. How do we My goal was always, how do we make the candidate very comfortable? Because I don't want someone to just tell me what I want to hear during an interview. Yeah. That, that there's a lot of subtleties that we do in, in our interviews that, and that was a lot of my time spent of trying to train and develop something with my recruiters cuz they came in as a standard recruiter like anyone else ask the generic questions and yeah, pass yeah. them off, where I'm like, no, we're not doing that here. We're, I had to reprogram them a little bit. Okay. Um, so you know, subtle things like, for example, if I'm interviewing with someone, I tell them, listen, you have a bit of an advantage with me. If you share with me exactly what type of work you're looking for, maybe the job you applied for isn't the right one, and I might have the right one for you. Mm-hmm. And then that's where they're like oh well in that case if i have an option i would yeah. love to not work on a saturday exactly it'd be uh, wonderful so you know what i, I really love, don't you know. want concrete at all if yes. you can get me in pools great but <laughs> yes. i'm not touching exactly. the concrete i don't exactly. want to travel 100 yeah. yeah. and and that's getting someone to be comfortable now sometimes that exact statement is a bluff sometimes i don't actually have another position but I want to know if this person actually wants to work on a Saturday. Yeah. Okay. So I say, listen, I've got two positions, the same exact role. Just one involves a Saturday. One doesn't. Which one would you like to interview for? I'm how gonna, many,
0: how mean? many people say Saturday?
1: Um, well, actually we're filling, for, we're filling for one position right now <laughs> that is mandatory on Saturday. And it's a, a position that I've filled in the past. Great customer of mine. Can am courtesy exchange. Mike Piccioni he's fantastic. Okay. And, um, We've been staffing for him for three years, and the Saturday thing's been driving me crazy, man. It's yeah. been, it's <laughs> but been like four weeks. I'm like, man, nobody wants to work the stand Saturday. K- for Can K- K- M-
0: Currency Exchange? Yeah. Yeah, fuck I'll go work on a Saturday over there. Dude, it's literally sitting behind glass counting fucking money, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> looks. Would, all like, mean. listen, man, if you want me to go do bricklaying on a Saturday, no way. My grandma's dead every Saturday. Dude. There's yeah. no way. <laughs> but counting money, man. That's so I figured that. I figured it's, it was going to be a high number that didn't want to go on Saturday. It's
1: a Yeah, man. The the whole weekend thing is like I it's interesting because I grew up and my dad was a mechanic by trade. I was in the trades mm-hmm. my whole life really as a kid and Saturdays Was like the day. Yeah, that was a busy time. Yeah. Yeah. Like every industry, it's like Saturdays. And now, like, I get construction companies and I ask them, I say, okay, these guys are working Saturday. They're like, no, it's just Monday to Friday. And I'm like, what? Like, Mm -hmm. what do you mean? Construction? Like, you're. They're not working Saturdays? What do you mean? An electrician's not working on a Saturday? And mechanics not working hey, on a Saturday? I mean, what are yeah. you talking about? That could really be a <laughs> Windsor
2: union town mentality too, right? Well, I
1: have no idea. Man. I don't know
2: cuz do you do any work outside of Windsor or is it mostly I do. I do. Windsor. Do you yeah, find that it spreads or that mentality is all over Ontario or is
1: that It's everywhere. Everything's just Monday to Friday 40 hours. Hmm. That's it. Monday to Friday 40 hours like like it's rare when someone comes to me saying, "Yeah, it's going to be a 60-hour week for this person." Very rare now. Whereas, man, I watched my dad growing up. Sometimes I wouldn't see him for, th- for three days. Yep, <laughs> he'd, be, yeah. mm-hmm. he'd be working all day, all night, and and yeah, no, it was working Saturdays, working Sundays. Like I was going into the shop with my dad. He'd take me to work on a Saturday because it's a quieter day, but they were all working away and I could come and just watch my dad work. Like that was my thing. Yeah. Right. Or, yeah. or I'd help out around the shop, sweep and all that when I was 13 or 14 or whatever, and they <laughs> yeah. gave me a couple of bucks. for doing it. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. But like, especially in Windsor being a trades town, blue collar, thought everybody would be working on Saturday no yeah. no, very, I think very, very very
0: people in general just are just lazy man
1: the only thing that's out there is is obviously your grocery stores and mm-hmm. like the stuff that's like the entertainment the restaurants and all that but as far as trades go I I, my, I, I got my my uh, my cars that uh, I get my cars from Rose City Ford I got my my truck and I got my Bronco and when I want to book my cars for service the other time I was calling for service. They're like, when would you like to bring it in? I said, I'd like to bring it in on a Saturday morning. They're like, oh, no, service is closed on Saturday. I'm like, What? Yeah, <laughs> what do you want, guys? Everybody else works what? Monday to
2: Friday. What like Saturday heck? is the time to get the business done. <laughs> yeah, right?
1: That's what I mean. Like I'm I'm working all day, all, all week. Give somebody a
2: Monday or Tuesday off and have them come in on a Saturday if that's the yeah, area. Like yeah. yeah shift
1: yeah. your. I'm like a Saturday's not busy enough. No, Saturday's not. What do you mean Saturday's not busy enough? We're all working. I'd rather have my car during the week. Drop it off on Saturday. Sit mm-hmm. down in the in, in your foyer. Have a coffee. It's an hour job. Yeah. Wh- whatever happened in that world? Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Well, you know, I if if if. I got to go to work, then I'm dropping off the car and I have to get picked up or whatever it is. That's a, that's a much harder thing for me to do than to come in on a Saturday with a coffee and wait for my oil change. Like, yeah. you know, the, 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 the world's changed a little bit. I don't know. It's, it's, it's different. Everyone oh, wants mm-hmm. that Monday to Friday. It's Yeah. Getting-
2: and I mean, now they're going for the Monday to Thursday, you know, four day work weeks no. across yeah, the board. Man. That's oh, a big topic conversation. And I mean, it makes to a sense, a deg- or it makes a degree of sense from a work life balance perspective. But for the business that wants to operate seven days a week, maybe you just have two waves of workers and it becomes more process uh, and outcome driven than punching in nine to five. You know, if you can get what you need to do to make this business a successful business, like you said, if you're an engineer at, you know, this business and you punch in more value in your 32 hours of work than somebody doing 40 hours of work, and then you can get two waves of that throughout the week, it does make sense to a degree. And then that person has yeah. more time off. You know, you can bring in that guy who wants, you know, his extra days off because he does what most people can do in 40 hours and 32.
1: And you hit a good point of at least get the job done. Yeah. Like I tell my staff I, with all my staff, there's no start hour or finish hour. It's we've got customers on the board. Positions have to get filled. If the positions aren't getting filled. I don't think anyone's going anywhere yeah <laughs> right yeah. it's gonna be tough for me to tell you I could have your Friday off but if you came to me on a Tuesday and said hey all the positions are done okay go home man. shit mm-hmm. pay. Yeah. thanks thanks yeah. a lot I'll pay for the rest of the week like I'm a very value-driven person and the nature of my business it allows that it's not like you know a can currency where they have to be open from yeah. like nine to five people are coming in it's a storefront retail is totally different yeah, yeah. retail it depends on the industry Um, some businesses have that opportunity where their staff could achieve a lot without having to be there all this stuff but I think the overall mindset people people that are in those industries that they have to go to work they want that 30-hour work week whatever it is and it's like it's like but your industry doesn't allow it yeah you've Mm -hmm. got bills to pay and that's how you make money so just get to work
0: that's what I was gonna say man because like I grew up in a taxi cab industry. My dad mm-hmm. owned LA Taxi, um, yeah. and then uh, in 2000 we started Windsor Transportation Services. I, I mean, I answered the phones up until I was, gosh, 19, and then I started delivering parcels. Turned 25 and started driving people. So I was, since a very young age, used to this kind of my own schedule. You know, working a lot, earning a lot; working a little, earning a little. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I know. Ne- <laughs> I went to college and then in 2013, I moved to London and I thought I wanted to be a border guard or a cop or something. Mm. So that was that three years from 2013 to 16, I spent working by the hour for fucking minimum wage, jumping from company to company, trying to make an extra dollar. I went nuts, man. I could not do it. I could not do it. I actually literally had a breakdown at my work, but that's how I discovered sales, man. And, and I think that's when we're talking about people who don't want to work on a Saturday. They're confined to a schedule because that was the one thing I hated having to wake up on the alarm, be somewhere at a certain time, not one minute late and not being able to leave or not being able to like leave my post at work. Yeah. That's so when you're when you're doing that versus like what I'm doing now here at mortgages, I mean, if I want to go home at fucking 1 o'clock, I just take my computer, go home, and go work at home. And like you said, as long as the work gets done, nobody can really say anything to us, right? So Mm -hmm. I I think it's very different in these industries where we see it one way and we're like, oh, man, Mm -hmm. why don't you want to work on a Saturday? And other people are like, fuck, I'm stuck on the schedule. I need my Saturday. They probably literally need their Saturday for their sanity.
1: I I, I will say this, though, because we see thousands of people a year and there is hope out there. Yeah. There is hope out there mm-hmm. because we have been filling positions for our customers with great people. That heck, even if we look back from when we started the company, there are people still working at the companies that we've been working with over the last few years. So, yeah, that brings me to a long-term, question. Long term employees. Those people
0: and, at uh, Creative Landscapes that you got, those yeah. nine people, are they still working there?
1: I'd have to follow up. I'm sure there might have been a term, but I know for a yeah. fact, I could, I'm already thinking of names that we got from day one, and I know that they're still there. Still in their positions, I know for that's a fact cool. There's, yeah, yeah.
0: So um, I want to know, yeah. like, because um, his staffing agency, when I think of staffing agency, I think of, like, uh, Personnel by Elsie yep. or, you know, some of those other ones. I can't remember all the my names. job shop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. Shop. So how, um, how do you differentiate from those ones? Because my yep. experience and my knowledge of staffing agencies is like, um, factories, you know, yes. you go in, yes. yeah, I can work on this day. Yeah. I have my women's, yeah, I have my boots. I so can go, So, so how you, do you different I'll give you
1: a little history because people, there, there's actually a difference between a recruitment firm and a staffing agency. Okay. Um, it sounds like it's the same thing, but it's, it's not, it's a totally different business model. Okay. So job shop, um, uh, Goudreau personnel, um, who else? Impact staffing, all those guys. in the majority, they're temp agencies, yes. staffing <laughs> agencies. Yeah. And their model is, I'm going to lend you someone. I'm contracting you an employee. So you, as the business, pay me. I bill you billable hours. The employee belongs to me. Okay. As a staffing agency, you pay me. I pay the employee. Okay. Yeah. the The model is a fantastic model for businesses because for a company, let's say that. Um, is seasonal let's say we're I'm a Vista print and I'm going into peak season for Christmas we're gonna need an extra 50 people for four months well how do you hire 50 people full-time and then let, get, let go of them yeah it's very hard to do that with the legislation that, that Canada has right so yep. what do you do you have you're not tied to the employee when you go through a temp agency so you call a job shop who's fantastic by the way I think all of them are great um, you call them and you say hey i need 50 bodies i need them for 4 months this is a job fill the roles do my thing and then when i'm done with them i call the job shop saying yeah i'm good i don't need these people anymore mm-hmm. perfect they'll
2: find them other work yeah. right and they'll yeah, find yeah, them yeah. other work. Yep. so that's
1: the value add there of i need a large amount of people in a short period of time i need them for certain projects i may not need them forever i mean to Need them for 3 months 6 months 1 year at some point in time i'm not going to want them yep. um and i'm not obligated to them so chrysler actually has a policy when I was an engineer at Chrysler, um, our de- my department was 14 people. In every department, Chrysler had the policy at the time, I don't know if they changed it, but 50% of their staff had to be on contract coming from a staffing company. 50%. Really? So mm-hmm. seven of us were full-time employed at Chrysler, and seven of us were from a staffing company. Yeah, contract through okay. yeah. yeah. like but, concentrics yes. or something why, like that. Why does a Chrysler do that? You know when you when you hear, oh my God, Ford just laid off seven thousand people, or Chrysler just laid off this many thousand people, whatever. Mm-hmm. When any, it's an insurance policy. When Chrysler wants to cut their overhead quickly, yeah, just call the staffing company. We don't need these people anymore. Um, when mm-hmm. disaster happens, when economies change. That's their insurance policy that they don't, they can't just mass fire everybody for no reason. Yeah, yeah. The and then have to pay a massive time. severance they, packages yes. and no severance packages. they nothing. don't have
0: to pay them benefits and
1: that nothing, stuff too. Right? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Call <clears> the staff, <throat> You don't even have to tell the employee. <laughs> you mm. can call the staffing company and say, hey, those hundred people you have with us, yeah. I don't need them anymore. Go and have that hard conversation. And the staffing company will call each and every one of them <laughs> saying, you're not going to work anymore and I'll yeah. find you something else. My it's an God. insurance policy. Okay, and, that makes and, sense. And that's what I truly believe for the big players. That's that's the play. Yeah. Um, I Obviously, say I've never heard anybody actually point blank tell me that, but it's so obvious. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, so it makes obvious, sense, right? right? Yeah. Um, why else would you be paying a premium on, because they're paying like a 40% premium on someone's, if, it's, if someone's hired at $70,000 salary, then the premium you are paying, what's 40% of seven, 70 grand? That's like 30? 30, 30, yeah. 30? So you're paying $100,000 a year for this person, 30s going to the staffing company, 70s going to the person. Mm-hmm. So, um, people have this misconception that, that staffing companies are taking money away from the employee. That's not actually the case. It's the business is paying a premium yeah. to have the service of not being tied to that employee, yeah. right? So, but people I might say, oh, but I could be making a hundred thousand. No, like you're not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a seventy thousand dollar person. The business, the staffing company is, but you're not. So. Um, they're paying that premium. Why would they pay that premium? Why would they pay extra? Why would, it's because they want that insurance <clears throat> policy to be able to just let someone go? Yeah, so so that's the value add of a temp agency model staffing model fantastic especially even with the bridge project and the battery plant there's a bunch of companies coming from (coughs) from across the world that are sending their engineers they're sending management they're sending important people that are full-time people but maybe that company is a a drywall company or whatever company and they need a hundred bodies there for the six month duration that they're there so they use a temp agency because they come and they go yeah Mm -hmm. my model is totally different my model is you want that asset in your business what kind of yeah. person are you looking for that you're hoping would retire at your company? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want somebody
2: on your yeah. payroll for the long <clears throat> haul. Yes. Yeah.
1: When companies come to me, they're saying, I need the right person here. I And that could be a $15 an hour person. It has, it's irrelevant to what, we're, we've got positions on our board that are anywhere from, I think the lowest is $17 an hour, general labor, all the way up to, we've got $150,000 a year estimator position on our wow. board right now. And all of them are, companies are like we want the right people here vet them we will be happy to hire them if they want to have a career here in our company that's a totally different tone than let me borrow 30 people yeah Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so so that's how i coexist fortunately for me um, there's not a lot of me there's literally i think just me and one other company in this city that do purely just recruiting and the rest is all temp agencies is it accelerator no no um I think it's logic staffing.
0: My buddy, uh, who's also named yeah. Sasha, he's my best friend. Yeah. He's uh, engineer at Ford's in Detroit and he got in there okay. through
1: Accelerator. The accelerate like the business accelerator? What are you talking or is that the name of the company? It's the name of the it's the name of the staffing agency.
0: I oh. believe it's called
1: Accelerator. Yeah, I don't know. <coughs> Never heard of them. Yeah. But um but yeah, that's that's the different types of mo- so like we we have customers that use temp agencies and also use us. Yeah. Right. So it's not a matter of being different. It's just, that's the problem that I solve and it comes with a whole different strategy. The volume strategy of finding, like, don't ask me to find you 50 people by tomorrow. It's not, <laughs> Yeah. Having, yeah. But you can go to the job shop saying I need 50 people tomorrow. They'll, they'll have, have it. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's pretty cool. Man. And then vice versa.
0: So what are um, any goals for your, the future? Like, uh, are, is this where you're at? Is your forever business? Yeah. Have- this is,
1: this is it. I am not starting something from scratch ever again. <laughs> we all know. I'm done. <laughs> so, so this is, this is it. Um, going all the way with it and I franchise my business so um, we've sold in the last year five locations Wow so we've got three in the US and I have four locations in Canada uh, three of which I are mine and then one is franchised so we're the the goal here is we'd like to see us having 200 locations and franchisees running. We've built this model. We've proven it. There's money to be made in it. Now we're just looking for other entrepreneurs that want to grow with us, and that's that's my career path. By the time I'm 50, I'd like to see, you know, 200 200 locations, and uh, and some successful entrepreneurs are running a CPG recruitment office, and they're they're living a good life. That's freaking awesome. Yes. Yes. Sweet man. So so
0: well i mean that's we're coming up to an hour so that was a great conversation man uh, i'd like yeah. to just finish things off with um so community stuff do you do anything in the community is there any projects that you're passionate Dude, about i'm getting
1: people jobs every day what more do you want <laughs> yeah. that's the community i'm making yeah. sure you're not unemployed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what else you want? is there any yeah. Like, yeah okay but in all seriousness no no we're always you know we go to every we're so busy, but we do the charity golf tournaments. So okay. we, do, we, we do a lot of that, um, a lot of just sponsorships for, um, I do a lot with um, Canadian Mental Health Association, Nice. Um, whoever, like we're, we're always open to that stuff. We're always out there with people cool. doing mm-hmm. stuff, networking and, and helping people grow.
0: Cool. And uh, you did say, uh, what was it called, Built to Sell? Yes. Was a book recommendation? Built to sell. Okay, so I always ask at the end for a book recommendation. You want to leave that, or is there another book that you can think I would, of? I would
1: built to sell, hundred percent, and I would throw in in combination is uh, Blue Ocean Strategy. Blue Ocean Strategy. Did you that mm. book? No.
2: No, Cold. but uh, familiar with the oh, general man. strategy. Yeah. Oh man, <laughs>
1: Blue Ocean Strategy is powerful because that's how you get to make yourself different in an industry. Okay. It gives you a really good strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's exactly finding so, like the market
2: niche that's not being serviced right now well, right like that's there's, blue there's, ocean and red sea I think Yeah, it's blue it's, ocean
1: red ocean the blue yeah. ocean is you're the only shark and you got all the fish you could eat the yeah. red ocean is there's a lot of other sharks eating the same fish so it's bloody okay so how do you in an industry create your own blue ocean and it's it's based off of four it's a chart where it says increase decrease uh, create eliminate okay. so what is it in your business that you could increase what is it in your business that you could decrease? What is it in your business that you could create? And what is it in your business that you could eliminate? And that's where you'll be able to create your own kind of entity of finding things that are different. Like, for, I'll give you an example, and this will hit home. So when I got into this industry, I found that the big, the number one customer complaint was I, these staffing companies don't listen to me. They uh, don't listen to me. They send me people that I didn't even ask for this. Yeah. Right? Um, so it was, well, we have to create a process to know exactly what they actually want. And we have to eliminate any process that or, or create a process to make sure we deliver that. What checkpoints do we have to make sure that? The second most dominant one was I could never get a hold of anybody. It's always an email relationship. And I said, well, we're gonna to have to increase customer communication with phones. Rather than even, mm-hmm. that was one complaint. So that's how you play those increase, decrease, create, okay. eliminate. And it's based off of what people complain about and what could you do to make those adjustments. And then you'll find that, you know, there's always gonna be an industry, 90% of the companies do the same thing. Yeah. And compete the same way. It's how do you fit in that 10% where you do it slightly different.
0: Yeah, Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, sweet. So, and uh are
1: you like do you hire recruiters or pre screeners are you hiring any yeah. employees um i've I just maxed it. i just hired my first operations manager um so we've got a sales team that i'm always hiring salespeople. always um my salespeople. it's all commission-based and building like a brokerage style model so um but I have sales team, I've got an operations person, and then I've got my recruitment team. We're always looking for recruiters. Sweet,
0: and always. what kind of credentials do they need for sales nothing, or recruiters?
1: Nothing, no one in this business came from the recruitment industry.
0: Wow, so Including just me, man. I do was an engineer. Yeah.
1: Yep, exactly, it's, it's would you rather be dealing with candidates all day long, or do you want to go hunt for business all day long? What do you want? I'm, I'm good with, I like having people not from this industry because I get to Make them the way I want. Yep, and that's a yes. pretty common theme amongst most businesses. Yes. Yeah, 100%. anything, Listy
2: you want to add in? Oh man, I think we covered most of the bases here. Thanks for coming. Yeah, hey, great. I really appreciate, appreciate
0: it. Last thing, did I did we miss anything?
1: I, th- I think I think we're good, man. Honestly, I think it's just yeah. no. We're what else do we need to know to about done. you? Social yeah. insurance number, this, <laughs> uh, Blood so type. Like, uh, the world of staffing. We have we didn't even go on a level of by industry. Like th- this is a very long conversation. This could be. Usually mm-hmm. a 10 hour long conversation. Hey, we so can do we'll, a part we'll, two with Duncan we'll do, if you want. We'll do a part two if we want to get into more of, of in Windsor trends, mm-hmm. data on staffing. Like if we want to go in that direction, I've got all that information. So today was more of like cool. an intro. And, nice yeah. and to so you,
0: just on a note of maybe a second episode with you, what, could you do like maybe tips or advice for people yes. trying to get into like, you know, maybe certain roles or that, just something for people that need jobs or yep. want. Yep. Okay. I'll great. do it for
1: both the employer side and the the job seeker side. Absolutely. We oh, can dive there into you go. All of episode
0: that. two: job yep.
1: seekers and employers. I love yep. it. We'll have Duncan yep. in on that one too. Yeah. Awesome. How do you How do you make sure you don't hire the right? How do you make sure you don't hire the wrong person?
0: I think you just got yep. the title of your next book, bro.
1: Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> I, I write that one down. All right. That's well, all great to meet you, man.
0: Those, this was a great conversation. Thank yeah. you so no, much. I for I appreciate your time. it.
1: Thank you for having me. Thanks. All right. Cheers.